0: Welcome to another episode of the Imprint Companion, the podcast that details the releases of Imprint Films, a boutique Blu ray label here in Australia. We're coming with, at you with our August batch of movies. We have divided and conquered this massive batch, and we don't even think we'll be able to squeeze every single thing in. So we are going to <laughs> split things up more fractured than we ever have before i'd say yeah but we are going to be covering a lot a lot of movies eight nine films even i think we're going to be covering in this episode oh my god it is a big stack and still there will be more to cover later on but my name is Alexa toliopoulos joining me as always is blake howard how are you today my good sir
1: now that i can reach out and touch you while Um, we're recording this episode i'm I'm leaning back so you don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's he's got a table in between us and he's <laughs> he's forcing this large table in between us. I'm really thrilled it's great to be with you in physical presence recording mm-hmm. this show. Physical media, touching, it's it's excellent. And yeah, this is an absolutely ridiculous batch and I It's can't, crazy. I can't imagine that it's going to get bigger, but it it, it is actually going to get bigger. <laughs> yeah,
0: we've seen down the line, things are going <laughs> to get even bigger. This is a huge batch. We have got one big box set another essential film noir collection volume 3 this time mm. we've got a huge release of a classic from Stanley Kramer the Melbourne set On the Beach about a dystopian world mm. in Australia with some of my favourite Australian actors Gregory Peck <laughs> Ava Gardner Fred Astaire <laughs> and Anthony Perkins we've also got The Secret of the Incas which is a big inspiration for Indiana Jones The Scarlet Hour from Michael Curtiz and another big box the World of Susie Wong starring Nancy Kwan and of course the actor William Holden.
1: Oh, there's there's lots of Holden in this one. He's in the Essential Film mailbox box set as well. We have three more that we are not covering in this one. We will be picking them up. They are the Edward G. Robertson starring I Am the Law. We also have Betty Davis's Storm Center and then another, another William Holden flick. Golden Boy, which is coming up at William Holden and Barbara Stanwyck. Oh my god, this is epic! So, look, let's get started. Um, let's keep it close to home, let's keep it down in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Lex, tell us all about Stanley Kramer's on the beach. What happens with the radiation is that you get you get ill. You start feeling sick and then you are sick
0: you go on being sick. You built the bomb, you experimented with it, tested it, and exploded it. Now just a moment more. Thanks to you chaps, a moment is about all we have.
1: How long can he last out there?
0: Oh, three or four days a week. The war started when people accepted the idiotic principle that peace could be maintained by arranging to defend themselves with weapons they couldn't possibly use. On the Beach, 1959, an adaptation of a book by an author known as Neville Shute <laughs> who also did a town called Alice. Uh, it's a classic book, and this is a movie that has been long on my radar to finally watch. Yes. Um, and Stanley Kramer, he is an a filmmaker of important movies. Yes. And that is kind of how he has always thought of himself and his cinema is someone who makes message films. Films with a message in them that stand for social justice and for uh all of those kind of like progressive ideals of that time. Of course he did uh probably best known for uh It's a Mad 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 World which is less of a message film. Yes. There's a huge, huge production Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, definitely one of message films, Judgment at Nuremberg, The Defiant Ones, and On the Beach is very much in the same ballpark as those big message films because it is one of those early films alongside Sidney that's failsafe and even dr Love uh, by Stanley Kubrick these big filmmakers making movies dealing with the, perce- the what what the perceived failure of nuclear war could be and yes. what the 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 impenetrable and unstoppable outcome of complete devastation so it's a very bleak film but I think what makes it unique is this Australian setting because when we think about Australian film, do your does your mind go further than like nineteen sixty eight really? <laughs> like it's hard to go back further is than hard. that. We've talked about some interesting releases from uh, as well the Sunburned Screens collection, which is another boutique label here in Australia that specialises in Australian films, and it's interesting seeing a few films from prior to like the Australian New Wave cinema coming out. It's been really interesting. And On the Beach is probably the best known of those, even though it is a Hollywood independent production. Stanley Kramer was an independent filmmaker who would like kind of get the money together himself and then they would get bigger distribution of some kind. Um, What I loved most about this package, it feels really complete. There's a documentary and a whole extra disc added in here called fallout which is about this film the book it's based on neville shoots other works as well but what i really really loved is there's a special feature that's like two minutes long on this on the beach disc which is newsreel footage uh titled big stars arrive in Melbourne
1: (laughs) and it is just like the
0: classic newsreel footage. Australia has such a great history of, of newsreels and newsreel filmmakers and it just capturing Fred Astaire, Greg Peck, And Ava Gardner all coming to Australia. Oh my god! Were
1: they mobbed like the Beatles?
0: It was. It's pretty much you see them coming off on the plane and being interviewed on the tarmac and stuff. It's really interesting. That's awesome. But it's also so beautiful in this movie, getting a slice of like 1950s Melbourne. Like it's interesting to see how similar it looks. Like because we're in the city, Town Hall obviously is a really old building. It's still the same Town Hall. I recognise that strip. Uh, the EB Games isn't there yet, but <laughs> it's interesting seeing all that. What? I found it so No beautiful. EB Games? No EB Games. I don't know where e- they could buy their sticks and hoops from if no. not from EB Games. No. The-
1: Eboard Games is what exactly. they actually used <laughs> yeah. to be called, but it's, it's changed to...
0: <laughs> I really, really... Lo- I, I love this movie. Um, I, I've wanted to see it for a long time. I'm glad that I finally did. But I think the way they drift between hopeful hopefulness and bleakness is so interesting mm. and it has like this ongoing refrain of waltzing matilda basically making up this the the score of this movie for the most part but um there's one moment in particular where waltzing matilda is sung really stirringly at this kind of day of recreation leading to impending doom where it's like families and children and scouts and people like fishing in a creek. And it's kind of like the one kind of normal day that these people have as we watch this film. And then there's all these men singing, waltzing Matilda with like an interesting intonation and a weird cadence that I found really stirring. I think this is great. And this box is so like packed. We're seeing a few more of these imprint releases that have a documentary providing context is another one I'll talk about later on in this box set where it's like a double disc pack, two cases in one bigger box with a rigid box that we'd like from these box sets. This one also comes with like quite a detailed booklet with really beautiful photos from the making of and drawings and, too. Drawings and concept art. It's really lovely, but even the, the beautiful poster that is, classic as it is on that rigid cover it looks beautiful and then also it's got really interesting art on the disc cover itself yes that kind of like captures something in the kind of same vein as like other nuclear fallout movies or in that same vein like lord of the flies like the kind of devastation or something like that I think this is really, really cool and I'm always in favour of more Australian things getting these releases. Even though this is maybe not an Australian movie, <laughs> there's not really many Australians in it in leading roles, but I'm really glad to have finally seen this and it seems like a really worthy addition. And It's been nice to see how much thought and care went into a single film box set like this.
1: Well, you've heard it here first in print. The Ghost Rider box set is the next one that Alexi Toliopoulos yeah, wants. We want. need we need some... Go- no, Truly um, on the Beach. Great film. Saw it a million years ago on VHS. I saw a terrible version of it. I can't wait oh, to revisit it on it looks Blu-ray. Looks fantastic on Blu-ray. I can't wait to see it on Beautiful Blu-ray. Beautiful
0: black and white uh, f- f- cinematography.
1: Really looks fantastic. And this box is glorious. Uh, I really love, too, and I just want to echo that. When a film gets its due... Truly, on you know, on every level, that's that's what we we hope for out of everything with imprint So this one is just it's just bursting. But speaking of bursting, let's dive over to the Essential Film noir Collection Three. Don't you think I'd better go up and see if Martha's all right?
0: My testimony sent an innocent man to the gallows. Don't do this to me better hold on to something. You don't seem very steady on your feet. You are a cop, Silbray, and you're sold out. Bellowney. Oh, and if it's the last thing I do, I'm going to nail you. Guess I'm not supposed to ask you who you've been following and why. No.
1: Four films. Again, we're up to 12 in this Essential Noir collection. Mm. Um, Lex and I are massive fans of neo-noir, um, but no, the classic noir, which usually butts up um, all the way up to about basically 1959 until colour films. That's a, a very sort of classical interpretation of when yeah. the classic film noir or essential film noir ends. We've got four films in this collection. We have The Strange Love of Martha Ivers, which is... <laughs> Um, probably most famous for a Kirk Douglas debut. Oh, um, wow. Um, so, you know. Old-ass uh, movie. Old-ass movie. <laughs> He's, it's 1946 film. Um, but the next three films, probably in escalating quality, are No Man of Her Own, which is screen legend Barbara Stanwyck, um, and and uh, has terrific cinematography by uh, Daniel Fapp, and Mitchell Lyson, who directed Midnight, is the director of that one. Mm. Turning Point is the next one, which is um, a terrific film starring... Uh, Ed, Edmund O'Brien uh, and William Holden. Again, he's all over this um, box set. And then finally in this uh, is The Desperate Hours from 1955. It's William Wyler um, directing Humphrey Bogart and Frederick March. It's terrific. So what is film noir? Well, film noir is really scratching at the surface of our deepest, darkest desires, um, films that often surround um, subterranean feelings, primal feelings, um, dark secrets, and feeling like you're being imprisoned or trapped. And it's not necessarily literal prison, but it could be a prison of a situation, prison of a city, prison of something like that. So I want to talk about, um, you know, Strangelove of Martha Ivers' Quite a good film, but I really want to tilt my focus to the next three. So, No Man of Her Own, starring Barbara Stanwyck, is essentially a story about a woman who is being blackmailed because a man in her past knows her secret. Her secret is that she's assumed the identity of someone else. What the film tells us in this sort of languid flashback is that this woman was driven out of San Francisco by this crazy man. She aboards a train When she's at the end of her rope, desperate, tired, um, not even a few dollars to her name, a beautiful couple encounters her on the train, take her out to get a meal, try and take care of her. And the train cataclysmically crashes and most people aboard die. And in that moment, because she kind of looks like the woman, the wife of this beautiful couple that she's met, she assumes her identity she, what we don't realize at the time is that she's actually pregnant, and that she decides that for the purposes of her baby getting a better life, she'll take her into this new family and adopt it. But that haunting dark secret of this guy who drove her out of San Francisco is on the horizon, and it's just simmering and bubbling. And so it's a terrific story about just like this desperation and desire to give your 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 child a better life, but also know that. There's a come up It's coming around, and it really just does that wrestle of like, what will desperate people do to maintain a secret? But what's even cooler about this movie is that what do people who may find out that may find out your dirty secret, what will they do to maintain the lie because they want their own happiness? And so it's a terrific, 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 um, uh, film I would strongly encourage you to watch. It has great, great, that great narrative device of the things winding down. It's um it's based um on a novel I Married a Dead Man. And it's just it's 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 mistaken identity in noir is so perfect. Then also the next one which also has a terrific um special features that I want to talk about is The Turning Point, which is about a prosecutor named John Conroy, he comes in to get rid of a crime syndicate. He's kind of like the Harvey Dent of his day. He goes into town. He knows the local, um, you know, a, a childhood friend uh, played by William Holman, jo- uh, Jerry McKibben, who's the local journalist. Cynical, has seen it all. He knows how corrupt the town is. And actually there's this terrific, terrific um, uh, uh, feature from a guy by the name of Barry Forshaw, who's a broadcaster and a journalist on The Turning Point. And what it's all about is this this actual film was inspired by a bunch of things that were like precursors to like the Patriot Act mm. in the United you know States where it's like they were championing that someone could come in, dig into people's tax returns, find out corruption, root it out, et cetera. But the things that it's actually championing are actually seeded. So you, when you look at them nowadays, it's like how problematic they are to just be able to – you know, to, to assume that someone is doing crime so to dig into all of their details, to find all their stuff, to surveil them illegally, to do this, you know, probable cause is really questionable. But what's terrific about The Turning Point, it's it's just about desperation. It's about someone who's coming into town as a white hat, thinking they're going to change everything and then just watching this desperate lashing beast of a crime syndicate go, no, we're going to kill cops, we're going to kill everyone and we're going to take them down. So it's got a little bit like a splash of untouchable mm. vibes in there as well. So it's really terrific, Strongly recommend, and it's, again, just digging into all these people who outwardly look like mm. they're innocent, have are guilty about something. And are so, there
0: any interesting actors in this one as well?
1: Yeah, so um, William Holden, Edwin O'Brien's probably the other famous yeah. one. Tom Tully um, is is the father, but not, like, other than William Holden, if you're not a mm. huge 50s kind of noir person, you're not going to really be into it. The final one, though, Desperate yeah. Hours, William Waller, Humphrey Bogart, mm. I mean, it's... This is one that I've heard of. It's a terrific film. Why it's good is that three escaped convicts come into a house that looks like a picturesque, beautiful piece of suburbia and exploit a family to hide there so that they can sort of mask their escape. They've escaped from prison. They're about to have their friends come and um, collect them and they take them hostage. And while they're there, you see this really like quaint and cool like little family. They're in their picturesque life. And basically what happens is you watch all of their cordiality and all of that like the mask of Ameri- Ameri- american triumphalism post the war yeah. all start stripping away because they get a gun they got a gun to their head and they start falling away and so william wyler does an amazing job at it there's one shot in this movie of a man holding a gun and deciding whether or not to shoot it that i think one it might be Wow, truly one of the best shots in any film that I've ever seen. Like that's such a quintessential shot, a man holding a gun Mm. deciding whether or not he should shoot it. But there's a shot in The Desperate Hours that is so evocative and beautiful and has a, a wonderful camera moves and stark shadows being cast across someone's face to show their inner turmoil that I'm like, if that movie was just that shot, it would be worth it. And to get a whole movie that is full of moments like that, and then a great movie about like you know crime syndicates and the the entanglements of greed and how far the tendrils go and mm. then and cases of and the turmoil of like people being discovered for who they truly are who they think they truly are or they've told themselves they are. Man, this is a ripper! It's an absolutely sensational entry. Um, maybe the best one so far. Just is pound that your for pick pound, of
0: all the essential noirs so far. Do you think?
1: Um, very close. I, I loved Hollywood story may have been mm. one of my ba- favorites yeah, that we saw. I love, love loved it. But the desperate hours for that William Wallace shot, I was like, that's it. That's enough for me. That's like, that's a box set worthy purchase. So I'm going to say, if you have the essential film World collection already, you have to get the third one. Mm-hmm. But if you have none of them, you have to buy this and make it your first one because yeah. it is that that good. Ooh,
0: that's what you want to hear. I've yet to go into this new noir box set, but Blake, I think you've given me the order to get into them <laughs> with.
1: You've got to you've got to go desperate out, I think desperate hours. No man of her own is brilliant. I think mm. you you know, Lex has dabbled as not only a documentarian but like done some narrative uh, filmmaking in the past and I would mm. just say like I think you would get a kick just technically knowing you out of No Man of Her Own, just on the technical, how they play with some of the the, the narrative conventions there. And and Mm. the Desperate Hours is just magic.
0: Oof, okay. Well, I am stoked to go in. I've been lucky enough to get through... The rest of this batch that we have lined up so far, and we're gonna
1: and we're gonna really let Lex fly through these because um, we've spent so much time so far on yes. on the beach and essential film noir. So let's let's just fly through these ones, Lex. Well,
0: let's keep it with the noir. The other film in this batch is the Scarlet Hour. The collection is insured for three hundred and fifty thousand. If you follow my instructions carefully, it's a very simple job.
1: Layout clear to you. We got it. It Until Saturday. Good luck, Judge.
0: We heard every move they're going to make for robbing the house. We can take them by surprise. They wouldn't have a chance. But what... There's nothing wrong about robbing thieves. What would I be without you? There's no place for me without
1: you. Don't go to pieces now, darling. We've still got to outrun (laughs) them.
0: Well, don't forget, it's my company. Now I'm paying her salary and yours, buster. I hope, Mrs. Nevins, that you aren't going to make... By one of the most famous filmmakers of this era, Michael Curtiz. We're talking Casablanca. Blanca. We're talking about angels with dirty faces. This is a big, big filmmaker.
1: And this is a film I'd never even heard of by him before. Um, Can so, you please share the anecdote about one of the stars in this movie?
0: Yeah, so this is a interesting film. I actually, I'm, I'm actually quite astounded It's not in an essential film noir box set, yes, because it feels like an offshoot rather than like a, a full individual release. Um, because it's just not that well known, except it's got a big director. The rest of the cast is not famous people. These feel like stable actors of the studio system, and they're all. Everyone's no one's bad in everyone's okay in it but just like they're lacking that kind of like drawing star power that yeah, we need. movie
1: star appeal.
0: In something like a noir film to get excited by it or interesting choices. Um, but this is a film, I'm going to read you the back. An unhappy wife who is having a romantic affair with her husband's employee uses her powers of manipulation to draw the infatuated man into an ill-fated jewellery heist. So it's got a little bit of everything from noirs. There's a bit of a heist element to it. There's a criminal underworld element element to it there is a crime element in the sense that there is impending catchment of police always on the lurk there is an adultery subplot in it it's got all these different elements of film noir plots that are so familiar to us but it kind of even with like the great direction of Michael Ortiz, the guy can direct freaking anything. <laughs> so it looks fantastic. The pace is exciting. But I think it misses those elements, despite his talents to elevate it beyond its kind of everyday plot that we've seen so many times there's one thing in it that sticks out is the great elaine stritch broadway legend legend so funny she is in this movie (laughs) playing uh like the best friend of uh our lead and she's great she steals the scene everything that she's in she's a one like kind of golden moment in this movie and she's talked about how this is the worst piece of shit she's ever been in. She talks about it like it's so vile. I don't think it's that bad. I think she's actually quite nasty talking about this movie, saying uh, that it's a, She, I think she even said it's a masterclass on how not to make a movie. Um, and But she's great in it, and I think the movie is... She's quite unkind to it. It's better than that. But it's just a bit run-of-the-mill uh, kind of noir movie. Glad I watched it. There's so many exciting elements in that gets gets you going, but it doesn't extend beyond those. The next one in here is
1: the secret or secret of the Incas. Sunburst like that only twice as big was stolen from the Inca Temple of the Sun nearly four centuries ago. Machu Picchu, the lost city of the Incas. You can either change your clothes and come along with me and start walking back that way.
0: I have the right to ask questions.
1: Sure. Don't do it. It annoys me.
0: Technicolor Adventure movie starring Charlton Heston and oh. Ima Sumac, who is an iconic Peruvian singer doing lots of mambos and malambos. Great, great singer. I've been familiar with her for a long time. I didn't know that this was a movie that kind of introduced <laughs> her to the world. Um, this movie is well-known for one thing. It is well-known, Not, I mean, two things. Ima Sumac is pretty essential. Pretty essential. But the other thing it's well known for is that it was the film, the key film, that George Lucas and Steven Spielberg drew a lot of inspiration from for Indiana Jones, the character, and for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Wow. But it is the film uh, that inspires those but so much of the excitement of Indiana Jones is not from films that inspired it, but the serialized, the serials. So Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, its structure is serialized. Like there's so many cliffhanger moments. Each scene kind of has those cliffhanger moments that are so essential to what makes it work and where it draws inspiration from being those serials. This, the Charlton Heston character, wears a leather jacket, he wears a shirt, he has a whip, he has a fedora, <laughs> he looks like Indiana Jones. He acts quite like Indiana Jones. Their personalities are not dissimilar. Oh my God. The adventure is not dissimilar, but it is slow. It is not an exciting <laughs> adventure. But it is still really interesting to see so much of like um, Indiana Jones in this older film. With But just it kind of lacks that, Interesting excitement, but it is so beautiful to look at. It's the first film to be filmed at Machu Picchu. Wow. So it looks fantastic in Technicolor. Ima Sumac is so great. I wish that Steven Spielberg stole that too and (laughs) put it into it. Um, It's a little slow and it's got this kind of reliance on diegetic music that makes things feel quite quiet at times. Yes. There's also a great special feature on here that is uh, rated as of the Incas, Incas, interview with film historian. Chris Poggiali on the influence of Raiders of the Lost Ark, um, which is interesting to find out a little bit more. And and then there's also a radio play version of this, which I've yet to dive into, but that sounds pretty interesting too. There's one final release in here. It's another double box set. Wow. this You've is, done
1: some heroic work. Yeah, Four I watched, films over here. Yeah, I watched five both films.
0: of these in this one. This is The World of Susie Wong, another Billy Holden joint. Um, this film- We must be
1: clocking- Nearly all of Oh yeah Billy Holden's Like 50s and 60s At this point
0: I mean they made A lot of movies <laughs> Back in that day <laughs> Oh my you god don't know you, That's hard to say You see the girl Sitting over there At the bar The one with the red dress
1: Yes, yeah, Susie Wong She my best friend Most popular girl At bar She got sex appeal Why are you asking me
0: Well you're Easily The prettiest girl In Hong Kong You think so? I thought so from the first moment I saw you.
1: I came here to paint. I don't want to get involved. Well, we'll just have to find you another model. Without painting, you'd die inside. I love it.
0: Um, But Susie Wong, uh, The World of Susie Wong is a 1960 film. A struggling down on his luck American artist, played by William Holden, meets a beautiful Chinese prostitute, played by Nancy Kwan, who captures his heart and becomes his model. Friendship deepens to love, but complications threaten their future. This is a bit of a melodrama. It's a bit of a comedy um, from the early 60s set in Hong Kong. Hong Kong looks fantastic in this Technicolor. It looks absolutely stunning. It is a really good looking movie with some really fantastic production design, really interesting costuming, but it is still a bit of a shock to come across these old Hollywood films with like their reductive orientalism and exoticism. I know you expect it, but I think it's like always weird when you actually watch those artifacts when
1: i feel also like you being a film school guy me being a university film studies guy is mm. when you're learning you sometimes consume these things in like really bite sized chunks mm. like you're looking at like a, a moment a scene a sequence etc that profiles this but when you dive into the headspace it's still pretty shocking it's yeah. like it's like wow it's 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 like that were of a time and it's kind of not It it hasn't aged well.
0: It's interesting because I don't... This one is better than some others that I've seen. But I guess most of my experience with this kind of like golden age or early hollywood um orientalism exoticism is more in the realm of fantasy and adventure films yes it's interesting to see in like a contemporary set drama yes there's something about that like without like the mystique of the east being it played in a contemporary sense is so odd that's kind of like what i jut against most yes um but nancy kwan's a star she's so good in this and it's so what i think Imbra has done that makes this like a really cool box and rather essential is that they've essentially put paired this with a great, great, great documentary called Hollywood Chinese um, from director Arthur Dong. And it is a basically a chronicle of Chinese-American culture as it is portrayed through cinema through the years. And it's got everyone you'd ever want in a talking head. James Hong talks for freaking ages. Justin Lin talks for ages about like how their culture juts up against Hollywood culture and how it was represented. Some of those great like Hollywood documentaries where you're like, oh, get the pen and pencil out. <laughs> There's all these movies I've never heard of that are so interesting. But uh, I, I, I found this to be like such a worthy entry to have these two things paired together to have the full context to have Nancy Kwan in this documentary talk so much about like how she gets on the film how this film exists what the reaction was from the public and from like other Chinese audience members as well it's really interesting. And also like on the actual Suzy Wong disc, there's a whole extra feature documentary to whom it may concern, um, which is about the life of actress Nancy Kwan as well from 2010. So this is a really packed box set that does the thing that we talk about when we have these classic films that are not that well known like this one or have kind of like lost their prestige to time that, It needs that context to be built in. And I think this is such an excellent box at really focusing on that and building the context around this movie, why this movie matters or why it's important or why it even exists in this case. (laughs) Um, I think this is sick, man. If you're a film historian that has a real interest in... uh, culture and how multiculturalism and how cultures are interpreted through film, I actually give this like a
1: huge, huge
0: recommendation. I've got to dive into
1: that Hollywood Chinese docker. I'm going to put that on mm. almost before I watch Suzy Wong, I think.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. It's also currently... It, it's on the criterion channel if you've got access to that and you want to watch this documentary to get a taste first it's on there i actually really highly recommend it it's cool it's got that great ebert moment at the premiere of uh better luck tomorrow the <laughs> justin Lin' his debut film where he like stands up for the movie after someone has like this really stupid comment in A. Q&A. it's it's I think this documentary was really cool, but I like this whole box. It actually really might be my pick of the batch as essential as um, the On the Beach is. Just to get a box set like this, I didn't kind of think was possible to see. I think it's really cool.
1: Guys, this has been another imprint companion. This has been the first part of our August batch. We've still got to catch up. Probably between now and the August batch, we have some other exciting physical media stuff coming from Via Vision, which we might be able to tease. Mm-hmm. I will not put Alexi in the corner for that. That is definitely yes. something. Um, <laughs> and maybe um, a, a, a few... Uh, um, uh, imprint adjacent Mm. um, things uh, from the Chameleon uh, Films uh, family uh, uh, so we, we might have some more stuff coming up keep your ears out for all those things physical media and as you know there can be only one physical media podcast you listen to. It's the Imprint Companion or the Blues Brothers, wherever you listen to us on 1 8 Minute Productions or the Imprint Companion feed. So oh, uh, some that's
0: beautiful tease work there, Some
1: brother. I was just, you know, segues, teasers. That's what we can do. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Again, Lex um, mentioned in the previous episode, which you guys are hearing pretty close to this, mm-hmm. his incredible new mini documentary series, Finding Yeezus, coming up it's mega baby it's a
0: feature length when oh, I mean, the whole fe- thing comes when out it comes, basically yeah,
1: I can, oh, okay yeah. I, I can't wait to see the whole feature length of it um i i can say to him safely um i have listened to finding drago mm. and finding desperado so many times and if i ever have had a bad day and i'm going for like a long drive there is nothing more i want to listen to so i am dying for mm. this man i cannot wait i'm super excited and uh, yes
0: yeah. finding Jesus comes out september 26th it's a new mystery investigation documentary from cameron james and i it'll be on the grouse house youtube channel uh, in partnership with auntie donna so check it out subscribe to grouse house and uh, get it as soon as you can
1: we'll put the links in the description of this podcast to make sure you guys know where that is which is great everything else that i'm doing is over at one hit minute productions got some exciting things coming up um one thief minute was a recent mini series we did i'd really um be a Grateful if you check that out. Um, we're really proud of everything that's happening there. Miami Nice, which is started out as mm-hmm. just really an appraisal of the 2006 underloved um, but extremely horny Michael Mann film, has now turned into a broadening conversation about modern man films. Get amongst that, and especially if you're a frothy manhead, <laughs> um, jump onto One Hit Minute Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You can get a whole stack of our Rum and Rant weekly episodes where I deep dive on films just a whole stack of different things. I've recently done Creed with Ben David Grabinski. I've talked girl with a dragon tattoo with Roxana Haddadi as well as place beyond the pines. Oh, I love Roxana and, and Michael Clayton. So there's some other great ones there. There's also big bonus chats with uh, my friend, Travis Woods about thief. So the entirety of that conversation, some incredible convos there and a double episode of Donal Logue that I'd never released oh, about movie making stories with Donal. So that was, um, they're all there. And oh, I hope you talk about that shower. blade. <laughs> We didn't quite talk to him about that, but we've got some great stories about his work on his cut work out of, a uh, completely cut out of The Thin Red huge, Line. Huge. Um, so we've got that, very excited. And also um, we have a Discord. So what that means mm-hmm. is if you guys want to chat to us, rather than taking it on socials, take it to the Discord. There's a great crew of people on there. Alexa's like, is on there. Can it's I make a fan.
0: suggestion for the Discord? Please do. While we're in the moment, you've got to make a conversation area on the Discord For physical media. Done. For DVDs. Sold, sold. I want to see
1: boys and (laughs) girls posting up their pics of what they got in their collection. All right. That's how it's going to start. I'm going to take a photo Mm -hmm. of the imprint shelf. It's going in the Discord. So if you guys want to get amongst it, jump on there. But guys thank you so much for listening to another imprint companion wherever you're listening to it um, Lex and I um, are always here to chat he is this is Alexi on um, both Instagram Mm -hmm. and Twitter I am one Blake minute on both come and chat to us share us your photos of your shelfies and uh, if you did get lucky enough to score yourself a Jim Sheridan box set take a photo send it through we will talk to you on the next part of the August batch and so many more physical media shows now we must sleep